Hello and welcome to the ever so slightly delayed episode 93 of Must See Matches, the essentials of pro wrestling as nominated by you. I am Kieran Lefort, I've got my own name and joining me as always, the hometown babyface, no matter the town, it's Mark Buckledy. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, I'm taking advantage that it's not raining, which feels like the first three hour period of not rain for the last three days in my neck of the woods. He is half naked on a sun lounger in his garden, you should be glad this is not a video show. Today, we are covering uh, Kent Kobashi and Shiyoshi Kikuchi versus Danny Crawford and Doug Furness, the Can-Am Express, for the All-Asia Tag Team title, uh, All-Japan's All-Asia Tag Team title, May 25th, 1992, at the Sendai Prefectural Sports Centre. Our guest this week it is the very welcome return of St. Louis Anarchy Pro Wrestling's Sean Orlean. Sean, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Not bad, apart from uh, uh, a loud um, Spanish party going on in the apartment below me. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Sean, when did you first come across this match? Um, so when I started to get back into wrestling, like late 2011, early 2012. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, probably in 2012, I started trying to watch Japanese wrestling because mm-hmm. I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. And it was really difficult for me to get into it because, you know, the the language barrier and I'm watching stuff from you know, like 20 years before. Mm. So it just, it was just clashing with my, with my senses. And I toughed out a couple of matches. Were you going on recommendations or were you just kind of picking stuff at random? I was just picking stuff out. Like I looked up, you know, like I looked up what is the good stuff? To, you know, like Matt, right. Matches yeah. to watch, yeah. like stuff that I knew I could hopefully sink my teeth into. Mm. And the first couple I just sort of had is background noise. And maybe like the third or fourth one I watched was this one. Mm. And immediately I was sucked in because of how just absolutely amped the crowd was. Mm. And I managed to, for some, it just clicked in my brain. Like I got into like the announcing, it didn't matter. Yeah. Like I I heard like I was listening to what the guy was saying, but I was like amped up by how excited he was mm. where he was saying like zero sin kick, you know, and all that other kind of <laughs> stuff. Like I was I was getting amped up by that. I was amped up by the crowd. And then oh yeah, the match is superb. Mm. But that was the match that sort of turned the dial for me in terms of enjoying Japanese wrestling. Mark, how about you? I'd seen this uh, a bunch of times. In fact, the first two or three times i saw it it wasn't even the full version because yeah, so, so we should mention this was initially clipped for tv and the full version i couldn't i was trying to do a search before we started recording like trying to find out when the full version finally hit the internet this was only available in highlight form like extended highlight form so you might you might get it's 22 minutes long and it, you might have got 15 minutes of it it was only available for about 20 years in that format and then it was uh as uh, as you get occasionally, I think it had either someone had got hold of a DVD release or it aired and they'd use the DVD, the full version. I think it's from the All Japan Classics TV show. Yeah, that rings a bell, actually. Yeah, it seems that way. The version we watched, like, it very definitely has an intro by uh, somebody who is not the commentator. You can hear the difference in their voices and the difference in the sound quality. And the Can-Am's music is very definitely dubbed over. Oh, yeah, which, which explains why the cloud are clapping at a rhythm that is not yes. attuned <laughs> yeah. with the ring Either music. They're, they're really bad at clapping or this is dubbed music. Yeah. Um, I think this might have been on the first ever Japanese tape I bought in early 1993. That was a compilation of Summer 92 New Japan and All Japan TV. Mm. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't I was more, at the time, I was more interested in and captivated by the New Japan style than the All Japan style. Yeah. We've mentioned my my All Japan blockage before. Um, This flies in the face of that. Mark and I both nominated this match for the list. Yeah, I think this was the ninth match that I've nominated that we've covered on the podcast. And I've Mm. only got two left, despite the fact that we've got about 12 matches to go. Mm. Yes, so this finished joint 12th, uh, along with last week's match. It uh, got 16.96% of nominations, not quite 17%. Um, uh, we know all about Kent Kabashi. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, do we have anything on Shiyoshi Kikuchi? 
Uh, so Kikuchi only has one other nomination, which mm. is a uh, Makota Hashi match. Yes, that's a random name to pull out of the hat from really? Noah in 2005. In 2005? Yeah. That was Jesus. the only other Kikuchi nomination. <laughs> uh, so Kikuchi was, I think, him and Kabashi had their had a debut in the same match, which was a battle royal. Mm. Uh, in they're in the ring together, but I think both of them had their proper debuts a month or two after. Mm. And Kikuchi was uh, basically he was one of the stalwarts of the All Japan Junior Division because. No one really cared about the All Japan Junior Division, and he was too small to go heavyweight. Yeah, like so, New Japan Juniors were always small men doing impressive athletic feats, like flippy stuff, if you like. Whereas the All Japan Junior Division was sort of like small men still doing mostly heavyweight style wrestling. It was much less flashy than New Japan. Well, well, you look at it, the three cornerstones of the all japan junior division are masanobu fuchi mm-hmm. well-known technician and sadist yeah yoshinari gawa well-known technician and uh rat boy, rat boy. i was going to say schema and, <laughs> and suyoshi kikuchi uh yeah. suplexes and being the same shape as a potato so Kikuchi then went to join Noah Mm -hmm. and then he was like one of the first or second wave of cuts that Noah made after Masawa passed away when they needed to cut the budget Mm. Uh, so the end of Kikuchi's career was in random indies and in DDT for two years where the main thing I remember him for is growing vegetables in an apartment block that Kotribushi had to clear out as a precursor to the raid (laughs) uh ddt apartment pro wrestling is essentially the raid with kotrabushi clearing out wrestlers (laughs) from an apartment building Uh, that's a gimmick that needs redoing isn't it somewhere uh, someone needs to redo that uh just with a slightly bigger budget than that yeah well if uh uh, kotrabushi well he wouldn't be much good let's pick someone other than kotrabushi uh katsuhiko nakajima wants to come and storm the party going on downstairs that'd be fine by me right about now (laughs) Uh, as for the Canham Express, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Crawford did not have any other nominations. Doug Furness had one nomination, which was in ECW against Rob Van Dam at Natural Born Killers in 1996. Interesting. Which I think was only a year or two before he ended his career, because I think he he retired in the late 90s. Yeah, so... Um... Dwight Douglas Furness uh, was a former world record-holding powerlifter, setting 29 world records. I mean, you can get it looking at it. Yeah, and to this day, he still holds the US Collegiate National Records in his weight class. Jesus. His eventual squat lift record was 986 pounds. And for people who don't speak in pounds, that's nearly 450 kilos. That is a lot. Mm. Um. He did all of this despite being allergic to chalk, so he couldn't dust up his hands to get full grip on his deadlifts. What? Yeah. 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 <laughs> also, although we don't really get to see it in this match, he was a five foot ten, two hundred and forty pound man who had a forty inch vertical leap, and was doing the backflip drop kick long before Paul London was. Just jumping three and a half feet. Absolute freak of a human being. Yes. Yeah. From a from a standing stop. Yeah. 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 yeah insanity uh he started wrestling in 1986 for the fuller's continental territory and then in 1989 moved to all japan where he very quickly formed this team with danny crawford and then in uh, 1990 he had a short stint in wcw immediately being put in uh, top babyface stings horrendously named group of the dudes with attitudes um <laughs> i see lots of head shaking yeah the 90s sucked uh he then became a full-timer with All Japan, and he was one of those guys that Jim Ross loved. He was a legit athlete who could also do pro wrestling, and he's from Oklahoma. And he looked jacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when he was doing his powerlifting, he was 275 pounds, so he was 35 pounds bigger than he was in this match God. at 5'10". Uh, Danny Crawford was born Philippe Lafon, somewhere I can't pronounce, in Ontario, Canada. Uh, he was discovered by the British Bulldogs in a gym somewhere in Canada and initially trained in the Heart Dungeon. Uh, he was a fake Rougeau for a little while uh, before heading to All Japan in 88, where he took the name Dan Crawford after an older stampede wrestler he admired, the inventor of the ladder match. Really? Yes. 
Together, as the Can-Am Express, Furness and Lafon would win the All-Japan, All-Asia... I've put way too much emphasis on all there. Anyway, All-Asia Tag Team title five times, uh, the Mexican UWA World Tag Team title twice, and the ECW Tag Team title for one day. Uh, they also had 13 months in the WWF uh, from Survivor Series 96 to December 97, where they didn't fit at the time. This was a company that hadn't been into tag teams since maybe 1992. They weren't good promos and nobody wanted to or could work a style that showcased and complemented them. Mm. They had a couple of good TV and pay-per-view matches with uh, Bulldog and Owen Hart in early 97, but they were very much a square peg in a round hole. Furness, as Mark was kind of alluding to, would have his last match in 1998 for ECW, which, you won't believe it, was against Rob Van Dam. During uh, Van Dam's uh, record-setting TV title reign, he held it for 23 months. Mm. Uh, Furness then quietly retired and would run a home for young male survivors of abuse with his wife in San Diego, and he would pass away in 2012 at the age of 52. Lafon initially retired in 2006 after further stints in CMLL and All Japan and then ran the Monster Pro Wrestling Training School in Edmonton. He came out of retirement in 2010 for two years of matches on Monster Pro Wrestling shows, a company which is still going today, I found out, hmm. um, and then good. had one final match in August 2014 before hanging up for good. And at the time of recording, he is still alive and he is 62 years old. So, here we are in Sendai, in front of... A Rock versus Hogan crowd, but at 10% the size. Oh, it's 5,500. Yeah. And sounds like, it sounds easily like 10 or 12. Yes. Like you can't, you can't see the back wall. Like every seat is full and everybody is going crazy. Well, the the thing about Sendai, I was having a look. This is uh, a venue that All Japan ran once, maybe twice every year. Yeah. And like, They've been running it since the seventies, and it was a venue where they would run like big heavyweight sh- heavyweight titles. Okay, on those shows, so they had uh, the big names coming in and defending uh, titles. Mm. So it's they make venue- they make it worthwhile for people to show up once yeah. or twice a year. Yeah, they made it worthwhile. Uh, we only had three matches uh, nominated for the entire project from Sendai. Mm-hmm. Both the Sendai, the city, and Miyagi Prefecture only had three matches. Were they all the, in this building? <laughs> uh, no. Ah. The one that I think was in this building was the Holy Demon Army of Tawai and Kawada versus mm. Jinsei Shinzaki and Hayabusa. Okay. Which, yeah, you can get why people are nominating that. Yes. And a personal favourite, which is Jushin Funda Liger versus Yoshitsune, which is oh. one of the best sub-five-minute matches that has a story to it you will ever see. Yes, that match is great. Absolutely rules. Um, what I love about this venue is it looks like a sea of people mm-hmm. and the hard cam shots, and you can see all these reactions, and you mm. can see them stand up and sit down. And if this was in HD, you could watch this match and pick out one or two people in the crowd and just pay attention to them. Yeah. And then on the next watch, choose another two people. Mm. And then next watch, choose another two people. Because it's one of the best people-watching matches I've ever seen. And they don't cut to random fans in the crowd either. It's, no. It's literally just the hard cam and then wherever the roaming cam goes to follow. Yeah, I'd noticed there are huge, huge sections of this that are just from the hard camera. Mm. Which is great. I love it. It's great. Um, there's two diagonal angles as well, aren't they? Because they yeah. cut to two different angles on that diagonal that All Japan used to love. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I wish res- I wish modern wrestling would take those random, like, second level, you know, like the, what would you call that in, 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 in Britain? Like the loge level? I've uh, never heard that word before, but I like it. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> like the second floor. Yeah, the balcony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the balcony. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like, I, I enjoy those random shots. And it's not like they, they don't use them a lot, but, you know, it just some, like, especially when Kobashi's going up for the moonsault mm-hmm. and then the, for the for the pinfall, like, I just, I think that's good. Well, there, there's one where specifically they choose that angle because it's as wide as they can get. So you can see both pairs of wrestlers because mm. they're massively far apart. But right they somehow managed to get them both in shot. Yeah. Um, the crowd are out of their mind before anything happens. Yep. 
Um, if I didn't know better, I'd swear Bubba was pumping some kind of gas made out of atomized whiskey and cocaine through the AC. I was like, I had to look up the rest of the card to see if they'd been like crazy for this all night. I doubt it because the match before this was Tommy Rogers versus Dean Malenko. Well, have you seen what the main event on this is? Oh, it's great. Yeah. So you've got the the team of Yoshinari Ogawa, Akira Tawai, and Jumbo Saruta. Yeah, I get that. It was kind of when Saruta gun in Saruta's the top heel slash biggest Mm. guy in the promotion. On the other side... Terry Gordy, I get that. Steve Williams, yeah, I get that. Richard Slinger, the nephew of Terry Gordy, who only ever wrestled in all Japan and Noah. Yes. And they won. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) This match was the only title match on the show, Mm. and it was third from the top. Mm. Well, the the All-Asia title for... uh, All-Asia tag titles, even, for people that don't know... They're essentially the secondary titles. Yes. And their level of interest and level of importance basically depends on how interested the booker is in them at the time and who is holding them. Yes. If, I mean, if you're an old WCW fan, they're the US tag team titles, aren't they? Mm. Right. Aren't they the oldest tag titles in Japan? Potentially. I think they are. Because know- the, first, the first champions were from 1955. That's highly likely then. Yeah. Um, okay. I have seen these original belts. They were in a in a case in um, for like a giant barber exhibit that was on when I was last in Tokyo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, They've got the miles on them? Yes. And they look heavy. Like this is thick <laughs> leather and big like hubcaps, hubcap plates on the things there. Huge. Like the kind of title belts that would easily slide down a person's waist. Yes, we'll yes. get to okay. that. Yes, yeah. and if uh, if if somebody were to use one as a weapon, not in this match because it's all Japan, the guy would probably be legit knocked out. <laughs> not to steal his thunder, but uh, Sean was mentioning before we went uh, started recording that Kikuchi is the only person on this card from Sendai, which might also explain why the crowd were going so crazy for this mm-hmm. match. I would like to see literally any other match from this show just to see what the crowd are doing. Yeah, it'd be- same. It'd be yeah. useful contrast. Yeah. So um, the commentator is very excited for Kabashi simply jumping over the top rope to enter the ring because that's how the Can-Ams enter the ring. Oh. Yes, I know. So they their their entry is like a is a um like a synchronized slingshot over the top rope, mm. and when Kabashi makes his entrance, he does it as well. Uh, when the challengers are being shown the belts before the bell, Crawford does the simplest thing. Yeah. He walks over, he points at the belts, and then he wags his finger no in the challengers' faces. The biggest um, revelation on these rewatches for me is how good Danny Crawford is as being yes. a subtle heel. You have prefigured one of my notes from the end. Like everybody thinks this is the Kikuchi show. I was transfixed by Dan <laughs> Crawford. He was doing so many little things to just push the crowd more and more behind the challengers, like yeah. just mm-hmm. being unsportsmanlike and cutting people off in rough ways and just generally being a bit of a prick. Yeah. And clapping on the apron. Oh, yes. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so Kikuchi and Crawford start out. Uh, when Kikuchi steps in for the lockout, Crawford, a lockout? I don't know what that is. I'm just going to blunder on. Can't bother editing this. Uh, Crawford catches him with a little slap across the face. Uh, Kikuchi steps back and shakes it off, comes in again, but brings his arm past the lockup and just hammers forearms into Crawford's face. He might be the junior, but he's not going to stand for being disrespected. Yeah. And the crowd adore this. They just yes. go mental. Yes. So he knocks Crawford down in the corner and he doesn't let up. He just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding. And Crawford has to escape under the bottom rope and take a walk around the ring. Um, lockup number three, everybody plays nice. <laughs> Uh, Kabashi gets the tag uh, and he and Crawford speed things up trading chop flurries until Crawford does the Bret Hart chest into the corner uh, and then Kabashi drops him with a big boot uh, Crawford gets a little unsportsmanlike to get the advantage back and Furness comes in off the tag uh, Furness gets in some hard slams and kicks while Kabashi's down but takes a heavy drop kick and after Kikuchi gets tagged in a leg lariat what I really like with mm-hmm. uh so uh, Crawford is doing, sorry, Furness is doing these petty kicks to the back. Mm. And as Kabashi tags out, yes, he's a good guy. He still gets one in on uh, Furness <laughs> as a receipt. Um, this leg lariat, 
you've never heard a reaction like it for a leg lariat. It's one yeah. of Kikuchi's uh, signature moves. It's the zero sen kick or zero sen kick, as the uh, the commentator would have it. Uh, Crawford comes in without a tag. He gets one too, much to the delight of the crowd and the commentator again. Uh, the champions head out to the floor to regroup and slow things down because they figured out when they speed it up, they get in trouble. Yeah. Furnace comes back in and controls Kikuchi with a headlock and a shoulder tackle. And the crowd are so hyped and so Japanese that when Crawford does the mocking heelish clap on the apron, they clap and cheer along with him. Yeah. Uh, Kikuchi fights back when he gets trapped in a corner, but Furnace stays between him and Kobashi, mm. denying the tag. Uh, Kikuchi puts Crawford down with a, a snap suplex uh, and makes the tag, allowing kobashi to run wild he does it like a flying shoulder block a leg drop and like a 12 to 6 elbow down across the nose yeah what i really appreciate here and i'm not sure if you agree with me uh sean on this is just the level of details in a lot of this like the fight for that snap suplex that kikuchi mm -hmm. did like the level of detail of making sure you cut off the ring or mm. get in the way it it's it's not quite there on the Midnight Express Southern Tax scale, but mm. they're not that far off. But it is. But that's. I think that's what caught my eye about it is that it really it really is worked like a Southern style tag. Mm. Like isolate the one guy, get the big guy in as the hot tag, and then get the little guy back in as another as he, get him his own hot tag. The heels play everything up so great. The faces get get the right amount of offense in. It was just it was just wonderfully worked. Like if any if any if if any two tag teams copied this match move for move on an indie like next weekend, like if they somehow copied this match move for move, it would probably be the best match on 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 whatever show you were on respectively, mm. and the crowd would be delighted by it. And it's a timeless, it's a timeless formula. Like we're talking about it in 2024 and it still works. Yeah. It's a Southern tag in formula, if not theatrics, like it's yeah. not as theatrical and over the top as like a midnight express, rock and roll express. Match. Right. But you're right. Yeah. The format is still there very much. So the emphasis is, is different. There's less emphasis yeah. on the hot tag as it were. There's less emphasis yeah. on building the drama mm. because it's still got that Japanese sensibilities to it yeah it's simultaneously right. both very japanese and very smoky mountain wrestling yeah so uh crawford gets to show off that he used to be a kickboxer uh kicking his <laughs> way out of a chin lock uh and then lays in a few across the chest and gets a two count off a spinning wheel kick uh, second week in a row textbook spinning wheel kick yeah yeah we're uh, we must be in we were in the blood section for a while now we're in the spinning wheel kick section uh, Kabashi flattens in with a lariat, sending him scurrying off to the corner to make a tag. Uh, so Kabashi just sticks to his game plan and Furnace gets one too. <laughs> uh, Furnace also gets a double drop kick when Kikuchi gets tagged back in, but absolutely sparks him out with a lariat out of the corner to get control back. Like for a second, it looks like Kikuchi is out for real. What is fantastic about this corner lariat is Kikuchi is going for his own corner yes. lariat. And Furnace is just so big and beefy that he literally just eats it and Kikuchi just runs yep. into the arm. Yep. Uh, and then Kikuchi gets a very simply press slammed over the top rope and then again over the barrier onto the standard issue rock solid Japanese table. Which does not break. It bends, but it very much does not break. Yeah, I bet when you first saw it, you weren't expecting, oh, press slam to floor, press slam onto table. <laughs> That's the thing with like a lot of Japanese wrestling and Japanese wrestlers. For a long time, people just, until like they were able to get hold of stuff very easily, just assumed, oh, you know, it's all very technical, pretty wrestling. But think right. of like all the crazy brawls we've watched from Japan. Mm. Like think of the mad all Japan women stuff we've watched from the 80s and 90s. And then all the futuristic stuff, you mm. know, it wasn't all just like pretty nice technical wrestling in front of a crowd that sits quietly, then claps for the nice moves. And then that's the other thing is for so long, like, I, I don't know, I guess it was just like ingrained in me that, oh, no, Japanese crowds are different from American crowds. They sort of just like sit on their hands. They'll sort of yep. applaud politely or whatever. This match, 
completely dispels that notion before oh, you yeah. would see anything else. Like, obviously, there's other matches where the, from this era and before where the crowd go, is going ballistic. It's mm. like, no, Japanese crowds are just as enthusiastic, just as emotional and, and, and dynamic as, as anybody else. I think I've mentioned it before. Like, mm. um, very often what you can see is the expensive seats, mm-hmm. which are bought by the people who are there not necessarily as like that kind of wrestling fan mm-hmm. the cheaper seats is where people are going crazy mm. like up the back of corican hall where you get the salary men who've just rolled in after a day's work and you know they got a cup of sake in their hand and their tie around their head going nuts for whoever they, they can see in the ring you know like that's where the noise comes from in in like japanese crowds is, is the cheaper seats well sendai was all cheap seats all of these seats must have been 500 yen because yeah <laughs> quickly segueing to modern wrestling it's like one of the things that ddt do for their korokan shows is those seats opposite the hard cam are actually probably cheaper than the mm. traditional cheap seats because they're doing it as a kind of women fans only slightly cheaper yes. because they know that the crowd will give them a better reaction on camera. Yes. I did wonder if they were doing the old Jeremy Borash uh, TNA thing. Whoever ch- ch- shouts the loudest uh, gets a free prize pack and to go backstage and get an autograph. <laughs> How big was backstage to fit all those people? In? <laughs> it was a uh, it was a tight competition for sure. Yeah. So uh what happens oh yeah kikuchi's been dumped on a table uh kabashi goes to help him and rolls him back in the ring to get a legal tag but furnace is there first and grabs him and drags him away from the tag uh the canams hit the sky high lariat which is a heart attack style Mm. assisted clothesline off the top rope with furnace then rolling through into a jackknife pin very simple by 2024 standards but it looked really good and somebody should bring it back With enough of repetition in 2024, a tag team can get this over as a finish again, I think. Well, not only does it look good, but I kind of like that as uh, Furnace is running through to uh, block block Kabashi even, he kind of brushes against Wada. So it kind of the referee is slow making the count because it's like, hey, stop bumping into me. Yes. One other one other note about when Kikuchi gets brought back into the ring from the table thing Mm is Kobashi takes the like Kobashi climbs over the gate mm. to get to Kikuchi but then walks the long way around to go through to go through the gate instead of going over it mm. and because he did that he's not able to get to the corner in time to mm. tag Kikuchi it's the music between the notes it's it's like either he knew to do that or uh the 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 can the the can express knew to get there before he could get there Mm. and it just looks great it's like one of those things you don't you don't notice until you've watched the match like 20 times or something yeah Yeah. kikuchi gets a huge pop for kicking out of this double team Mm. and a single streamer is thrown into the ring not for the first time the crowd have to be told to calm down over the house mic (laughs) (laughs) i didn't realize that was happening it happened a couple of times like initially i thought they were time calls and then it's like hang on it's happening at like two minutes three minutes seven minutes like you don't do a seven minute time call and it's like you know sit down calm down let the wrestlers have a wrestling match please Uh, the Can-Ams take it in turns to wreck Kikuchi. Mm. Crawford puts him in a Boston Crab that basically bends him into a full U-shape. Yeah. Uh, and then gets his revenge for that snap suplex earlier with three of his own. Uh, Kobashi has to come in to stamp on his head to break up the pin. Uh, Kikuchi gets a desperate back suplex, but Crawford holds onto his hair to stop him making it to the corner. This is phenomenal stuff. Yeah, and then brings Furnace back in, who puts on a Boston Crab that's somehow even more vicious than his partner's. Mm. Uh, and Kobashi has to break it up with a chop to the neck. Because the two kicks to the face were not enough. Yes. Uh, the champs do a switch without a tag that Wada definitely sees, but pretends he doesn't. Uh, and Kikuchi finds himself in what I think is the freestyle bow and arrow. So yeah. he's on his side with a yeah. with one arm under one of his arms and one leg under mm. his other arm. And it's set up by uh, Wade Barrett's Wasteland, of all things. Yeah, but, you know, that wasn't a proper finisher. That was I rubbish. Know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he switches it into a regular bow and arrow, and Kabashi breaks up by just walking across the ring and leg-dropping his exposed head. It was a very grumpy breakup. I mean, makes sense. 
Furnace gets the tag, but Kikuchi ducks the lariat, hits the zero send kick again, and hot tags Kobashi to a huge roar mm. from the crowd. Followed by maybe the best thrust kick of Kobashi's career on Furnace. Yes, that I had a full note on this because it looks so he whips uh, Furnace into the ropes and it looks for all the world like it's going to be like another running heavy drop kick, mm. but he leaves his left foot planted, so it's a this deadly running thrust kick. Mm. Uh, Crawford gets one as well when he comes in. Bang on the 15-minute call. Kobashi clobbers both champs with a double lariat, and it looks like he's got it one with a backdrop suplex, but Furnace kicks out. I love that after the double lariat, the commentator just yells, fire. <laughs> like, yes, we know that Kabashi's fired up. You don't need to just say fire to point yeah, it out. Yes. Um, around this point, Doug Furnace's hair tie just gives up and his hair explodes into its natural frizzy mop state. Uh, Kobashi sandwiches him in the corner with another lariat and goes up for his middle rope DDT, but Crawford runs in to schoolboy powerbomb him off the ropes and then soaks up the booze as he mm. swaggers Bret Hart style with his arms spread across the ring. What a delightful prick. Yes. he's. Yeah. He, see what I mean when I said I couldn't take my eyes off him yeah. in this match? Furnace uh, gets a two count off a sprinting lariat out of the corner and takes Crawford for a top rope splash that Kobashi gets his knees up for. That lariat is it's not quite Hanson levels, but it's pretty damn close from Furnace. He throws his whole body into it, and like he's running at a heck of a pace when he gets there. Mm. When they get back up, Crawford has Kabashi's foot, but he still makes the tag and floors him with an Enzugiri, allowing Kikuchi to hit him with a top rope diving headbutt and a fisherman suplex for a pair of near falls. Crawford reverses a corner whip and hits this beautiful thrust kick right into the jaw mm. of Kikuchi. Kobashi runs in but gets hurled over the top rope. Kikuchi gets another big pot for blocking a Tiger Driver attempt and then an even bigger one for kicking out of a Doomsday device that Furnace is walking away from celebrating yeah. thinking they've got it won. <laughs> Again, the, the the little character moments from the Can-Ams is it's not like full-on Southern Tag, Midnight Express yeah, nobody's getting jabbed in the throat with a tennis racket or getting hit over right. the head with a but, shoe or anything like that. It's just unsportsmanlike yeah. things, right? And they're not being and they're not being um, confrontation. They're not necessarily being confrontational with mm. the with the audience. It's just like, no, no, we're a couple of hard asses, mm. and we're gonna beat you in the ring by beating the snot out of you. Yeah, and if we're a little too rough, oh well. Yes, exactly. And because it's not going as smoothly and as easily as they hoped, they're actually caring more about when they do things because it's yeah. like, thank goodness that's over. Wait, it's not over, for fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> the Canams argue with referee Wada. Uh, Crawford elbows Kabashi off the open again and just ragdolls Kikuchi with a cobra clutch uh, as Furnas is holding Kabashi back. Is it the best cobra clutch in history? I think it is. <laughs> He, he's swinging him around like a, like a oh. nine-year-old with a teddy bear playing yes. wrestling. Yes. Uh, Kabashi does get free, breaks out the hold, and then takes Furnace to the outside to whip him into the railings and hit a DDT, while Crawford parks Kikuchi on the top rope for a superplex. This was that really nice wide-angle shot that I was talking about, because yeah. I don't know if they could have got the camera any wider for that because they're just in the edge we also have to say this is from the era of four by three square tv this is not a, a 16 by nine rectangle as you get today so it's harder to get that wider shot mm. in that format big brother kenta runs back in gets underneath crawford to have him up on his shoulders and crawford wildly and theatrically mm. protests as kikuchi comes off the top to hit him with a drop kick version of the doomsday device and then what andy ogden and i unfortunately know is the sheffield hammer which is kabashi doing a backdrop suplex motion on kikuchi who flips over into a moonsault on crawford the crowd are devastated when crawford kicks out Kobashi tags in legally, but Crawford immediately sidesteps a flying shoulder tackle and just plants him face first into the mat before wobbling over to his corner and tagging in Furnace. Honestly, people should watch this match and they should watch what Dan Crawford is doing. Yeah. Because so many of these little cutoffs like that is, it achieves so many things. It puts that Crawford is still alive, Crawford is smart, but also because of Crawford selling before he makes a tag, it shows that the champions are vulnerable and yes. shows that they're only on top because they're using little tricks, which Kabashi and Kikuchi, who are only five years into their career at this point, haven't learned yet. Mm. 
We do get a glimpse of the uh, vertical leap of Doug Furness as he hits a Frankensteiner on Kabashi, but he can't lean back far enough to get hooked the legs before it gets broken up by Kikuchi doing a diving headbutt off the top rope into the side of his ribs. What I love about that breakup is, now it could be a muck-up, but Wada hasn't even started the count because yeah. he's checking the shoulders, yeah. and Kikuchi is just like, no, this needs to be broken up. This is the only... If I'm waiting, I'm going to get stopped. So it just yes. goes. And it yeah. just... Admittedly, it's got a little bit of the fridge falling from a height to it, but <laughs> uh, no, it's... I love it. Yeah. Uh, massive Kobashi chances. He and Furnace scrape themselves off the mat and Crawford tags back in. He and Kobashi trade hard high kicks and then Kobashi whips him over with a power slam for a close near fall. The crowd go crazy for a body slam in the corner because they know it means Kobashi's going mm. up for a moonsault. Furnace tries to stop it, but Kikuchi gets hold of him and flings him out of the ring. There was one word I noticed from the commentator when uh, Kobashi was in midair from the moonsault, and it was Uchu, which means space. He is falling from space with this moonsault. Crawford, unfortunately, doesn't entirely get out of the way and ends up taking some of it, but mm. Kabashi sells hitting the mat anyway. Uh, Kabashi kicks out of the bridging clutch pin that Crawford tries, and they go through a little sequence where Crawford rolls out of Kabashi's sunset flip, then cartwheels out of Kabashi's counter to the jackknife he's going for. Kabashi blocks a lariat, puts a knee in his gut, and hits the double-arm DDT for yet another hot near fall. Not only that... It's one of the longest move calls you will ever hear in history. The T on this DDT lasted yes. <laughs> five seconds. I counted it. it. I remember this clip of the finish of this match going around like a decade ago or something mm. like that. People just calling it the greatest uh, commentary call of all time. <laughs> As Kikuchi holds Furnace back on the outside, Kabashi hits one more slam, the moonsault for real this time, and gets the pin. And I would say Sendai goes crazy, but they haven't been doing anything else for the past 22 minutes. Yeah. They go crazier. Yes. Yeah. They find another... Get, so they would, they would, uh, there would be a base level of insanity, and mm -hmm. then they would find another level for Kikuchi doing anything, or like escaping anything, and then another level for the finish. Uh, after the match, the Can-Ams come over, they shake hands, they strap the belts on the new champions... Uh, Crawford is more used to strapping the belt to Furnace because he straps it a little bit too loose on Kikuchi, <laughs> which is what uh, Sean was referring to earlier. So Kikuchi is literally holding it up for most of the end for the end of the match. Yeah, uh, I am going to ride the wave. I'm going first. Of course, this is must see. Yeah, for God's sake, this is one of the best tag team matches there has ever been, and I was surprised that we still have one more tag match to go. Like, there is a match, a tag match that was voted higher than this. I've uh, not seen that match, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I don't know what it is either, no. Um, I'm curious now what it is. I mean, I've got a couple of thoughts that what it could be, but... Well, it's got Kabashi in it, let's put it this way. Okay, then I think I know what it is, but... <laughs> I, 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 no way. It ain't... In my... It's not better. It's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of the best tag matches ever. In front of one of the hottest crowds of all yeah. time. As I said, like... This was the Dan Crawford performance for me. Like he was, he was so great in this match. Knew exactly his role and exactly what to do at every moment to make sure that the fans were entirely behind their opponents. Like this is a selfless performance. Like getting mm. other people over. Um, the one thing that would make this perfect is Kikuchi getting the pin and not Kabashi. Yeah, I get that. I have second guessed that over and over and mm. over. It's like, does that keep the match from being perfect? And I say no, but I would I would be curious to like live in the universe where Kikuchi did get the pin. It is a perfect ice cupcake of a match that is just missing the cherry. The cherry is Kikuchi getting the pin. The, the I get the logic why, because this is the first time that Kabashi, as well as Kikuchi, this is the first time Kabashi has held a title, mm. and Kabashi means more to Baba yes. and New Japan. So therefore, you want the you want Kabashi's first title win, you want him to be the one doing it, yeah. because otherwise it kind of feels like you're downplaying him over Kikuchi, who obviously... You know, he's a crowd favourite. He doesn't have the upside that Kabashi has 
in all Japan's eyes. Mm. I have to cor- I have to correct you. So Kobashi had won the all a- the all Japan all Asia tag titles before. Oh really? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, like and in fact, he so he'd beaten uh three so he ended up holding the all the all Asia tag titles four times with three different partners. Mm. And three of the three of his title wins actually came against Furnace and Crawford. Ah. So he'd won it twice before, once with uh Tiger Mask two mm. and then Johnny uh Ace. Was it Johnny Ace? I think it was. Yeah, it was Johnny Ace. Sadly. Mm. Uh, thank, thank you for correcting me. So in which case, I agree with you, Kikuchi should have made the cover. <laughs> and I think people don't remember who got the pin in tag matches. Right. You yeah. know, like you would still, in further on Kabashi's career, you would still say he has been an All-Asia Tag Team Champion three times. You mm. would not say, and he got the pin in each of those matches. Like, it wouldn't necessarily matter. Mm. Kikuchi right. already got a career out of just this match, I think. Yeah. But he right. would have been a made man if he'd got the pin. But I guess that wasn't the role for him going forward. The role for him was uh, swapping the titles with Agawa and yeah. Kikuchi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, history bears that out. Like, this was the hot, this was the height of his career. But I mean, mm. shoot, winning the tag straps in your hometown in a classic. Like, come on, like that we're still talking yeah. about, right? Thirty-two right. years on. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, yeah. not twenty. God, I boy, my math was wrong earlier. 20, <laughs> yeah, thirty-two. Good God. Yeah, we're all old. I, yeah, most of our listenership are younger than this match. I would I, think. I God. mean. Put it this way, in terms of this match, there are matches that people know from the date. This is a match yeah. people know from the city and the year, for goodness sake. You just say Sendai 92, you know what match we're talking about. Yeah, those who don't think it was in Corican Hall know it as being from Sendai 92. Uh, Jordan, any more praise you want to heap on this? So, yeah, this is this is my favourite tag team match of all time. I mean, mm. it's, it's obviously must-see. Um, it's twenty two. It's twenty two eleven. Mm. Like, there's so many like great all time matches, single bouts or tag bouts that go well over thirty minutes. Yeah, mm. my memory of this was it was like forty minutes long, and I was shocked when it was done in just over twenty. Like when you want to rewatch it, it's like you you have to you know some of those matches you have to make a commitment. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, I'm gonna block out forty minutes of my day, or mm. I'm gonna block out close to an hour mm. with intros and post match and everything. This match intros and post is under thirty. Yeah, the mm. bell to bell is twenty two eleven. Like you're in and you're out, and it's and it's an all timer. Mm. It's an all timer. This crowd is the greatest crowd I've ever seen or heard. It's and again, they're mic'd. I don't even know if they mic'd the crowd in 1992 in Japan. <laughs> so, so I'm ba- so you're basing this off of 1992 technology where they might not have even mic'd the crowd, and 5,500 people sound easily like twice as many people. Mm. Like, I was thinking yesterday because I was gonna because t- I knew I was talking to you guys. I was thinking there's that so- the, some famed soccer announcer from I don't know how many years ago who would just whenever something crazy would happen, he would just say, "Oh, take a boo, take a boo," you know, like that. <laughs> like this crowd needs to t- this crowd should get all the accolades and all the praise and all the awards. Like obviously the match was phenomenal. You could plunk anybody if somebody said, uh, "Sean, why?" why do you love Japanese wrestling or what's a Japanese wrestling match that, mm. that I would say this and just be like, see the little guy, that's his hometown. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing you have to say yeah. and let them go. And even if you can't, I once had a guy that I used to be friends with who was, I was trying to hype this match up and he was trying to be all like snoot. I don't even know what the right word would be. He was Snooty. just being a, a he was being a, a, a jackass, and he was saying, "Well, what if what if the people what if the person watching it can't hear?" I'm like, I, I don't know. You can see the crowd yeah. losing their yeah. mind yeah. all on the hard cam. <laughs> the entire back two rows are on their feet the entire time, jumping up. Like, okay, so you can't hear the match. Fine, you can look and see the crowd going bananas the whole time. There, like you can see and hear the crowd giving it their all. But what if the person watching is a potato? 
<laughs> then there's Shiyoshi Kikuchi watching it back. Uh, yeah, you could have the use of either your eyes or your ears and still know something special was happening. Mm, correct. But it's it's four stars with the sound off and five with it on, you know? Right. It's Yeah, it, it's great. Um, Mark, have you got anything to add? I think it's coming back to what... Uh, to what Sean said and what we've insinuated, this is probably the best match to give a newcomer if you want them to see Japanese wrestling for the first time. Mm. Because it is, as we've said, it's that US-style southern tag heel versus face just with the Japanese sensibilities and the mm. 1992 Japanese work rate. That's what it is. It is one of the best crowds of all time for a match. It is one of the most energizing commentary performances from Japanese mm. commentary because, yes, compared to like US commentary, it's or like Ken Walton in World of Sport commentary, it's a little excessive. But <laughs> Japanese commentary. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining <laughs> Kent Walton uh, like commentating on this crowd going nuts, him going, that's a lovely leg lariat there. Yep. Yeah, no, just, uh, I. A, a commentator for his product, this commentator was the <laughs> right golf. commentator for this product. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it was a solo job, too. No, yeah. Bubba's on commentary as well. Oh, yeah. Bubba is on commentary? Yeah, Bub, uh, Bubba oh, joins like a, like a minute or two in, and he was very often the colour man for, uh, for All Japan okay. TV. He, um, okay. uh, you know, he's the booker. Like, nobody knows the product better than him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, God, he can get know. across whatever stories he's going for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of audio distractions in this, Sean. I can get why you wouldn't pick him out. Also, he tends not to go crazy behind the mic. Yeah. You know, he we've, we've seen him as, you know, Grandpa in his commentary cardigan before. Mm. Yeah. You know. When I was about to watch this, I was thinking, is this match just because of the crowd? Is it just mm. because of the crowd reaction? And so, especially on my notes watch, I'm just paying it. I'm just trying to tune out the crowd a little bit and mm. just focus on the action. And my God, this is still a fantastic match. Just technically, yeah. as as we've praised from the rooftops, Crawford's performance in this is fantastic. Furness is exactly what you need him to be. Mm. He's He's got character moments as well as the power and as well as the athleticism. Uh, they're such a great team. Mm. Kikuchi is... He, he actually does more than I thought he did, but he's a great face in peril. Mm -hmm. uh, but he also gets his licks in. He's he's got a weird bit of facial. He's not perfect in the ring because there's like some. He does these corners shoulder blocks where it's like he jumps and lands on his feet and then does a shoulder block, <laughs> and it's like I don't think you timed that right, mate. But despite his foibles, oh, and it's Kenta Kabashi being Kenta fucking Kabashi and looking like an absolute star. And their big brother, little brother dynamic yeah. as a tag yeah. team is really good as well. Yeah. Like big protective Kenta Kabashi. Yeah. Oh, mm. Honestly, yeah, this match works. Like Sean, this is probably my favourite tag match of all time, partly because of how compact it is, how well the story it tells, that it's got the work rate that I like, but it's got that formula from like the decade before in the US Mm. It just, yeah, must see, absolutely sublime piece of work. Just great. A magic night in Sendai. Yeah. This is a five-star match in the Observer, currently 9.72 on cage match, and the 1992 Wrestling Observer match of the year. As it should be. Uh, Can-Ams also came second in tag team of the year behind Steve Williams and Terry Gordy. The rest, so the rest of the field in tag <laughs> team of the year, They this was uh, back in the time when... Uh, the Observer Awards would only list the top five. Mm. The top five are Williams and Gordy, the Can-Ams, Manami Toyota and Toshio Yamada, the Steiners, and the Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard version of the Heavenly Bodies. What a lineup! That's a, a combination of people. Yes. This is back when tag team wrestling was cool and awesome. Yeah. If we have nothing else to add, I would very much like to thank Sean for joining us again. It's been a pleasure to have you back. Uh, please tell the world where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found, what is going on with St. Louis Anarchy Pro, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, thank you all very much for having me. Just grinning from ear to ear just doing this episode. So thank you all very much. Um, yeah, you can follow St. Louis Anarchy at St. Louis at STL Anarchy on Twitter and Instagram. You can find St. Louis Anarchy on Facebook. 
We just ran a show at the end of January. Uh, one of the matches on the show has gotten a lot of buzz on Twitter. It was a dog collar match between the one called Manders and Mad Dog Connolly. Um, oh, I, yes, I've heard about this very recently. Did uh, like Joseph Montesio pick as one of his match of the year? Yes. Was raving about it. Yeah, yes. I've, I've heard a lot about this recently. Yes. Yeah, that the match itself. If if you don't have IWTV and you just want to watch the match by itself. We took the match by itself and put it on YouTube. Oh, nice. And if you want to see the previous two they had as well, uh, we took all three of the matches and put them together in one video or on a playlist, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So you can find them on, on our YouTube channel. So just search St. Louis Anarchy. And we just announced, I think it was yesterday, we just announced that Mad Dog and Manders will wrestle a fourth match in July. It'll be a Texas Bull Rope match. But in the meantime, uh, Anarchy is going to, we've got events coming in March, in May, and June. I think it's the last Friday of each of, each of those months. Uh, I do commentary, and I am a part-time part wrestler on the back, not even the back nine, probably about to tee off on 18 uh, <laughs> for, for whatever I'm going to do in ring. So that's about it. Uh, so just, just support Anarchy. As for us. You can go to linktr.ee slash matches for all the ways to subscribe, links to the full nominations, and so much more. We are at Musty Matches on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky, and you can come and join us on Discord, bit.ly slash Matches Discord. I am at Kieran Edits on Twitter, and Mark is... At monkey underscore buckles. Uh, I'm going to plug again my new wrestling photographs Instagram that I set up. It's stuff I've taken as a fan from my seats at uh, many shows over the years. It's Kieran is here too. Uh, as a load of stuff from my various trips to Japan uh, gone up there and just stuff I have, photos I've liked that are otherwise just rotting on my hard drive. Mm. I also have a second show, Nothing and Like It Chronicles, the UK Frontier Wrestling Alliance's adventures on television, including, eventually, the stuff I made. Uh, you can find everything to do with that at linktr.ee slash fwapod. Ep episode four is out now. Next week, Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness from Ring of Honor Unified 2006 in Liverpool. And we have a very special guest. It's Taz. From WXW. What? What?